0: In part two of our series on the boys on the tracks, we'll look at the many bizarre, unexplainable deaths that surrounded possible witnesses and people associated with this case. We'll also discuss special prosecutor Dan Harmon's questionable past and potential involvement in all of this. And finally, we'll discuss where this case is today and who has still been fighting for justice. Also, what's pro wrestling's involvement in this tragedy? Find out next. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Bill. I gave Dave a pair
1: of Hillary's used panties to let me do the opener tonight. I just came here to say, I have never met, nor am I aware of, any of the people the boys will be discussing tonight. And quite frankly, I don't even think I've ever been to Arkansas. And I certainly didn't call in any favors of the FBI in 1995. In fact, I think I lived in Australia that year. Anyway, just wanted to clear that up. Go get him, boys. This is Necronomapod.
2: And uh, we come up on, or didn't really come up on. We noticed there were people on the tracks. so a flashlight come on and then go back off. They weren't looking in our direction, but we could see the light. And so we kind of quieted down and snuck up a little bit closer to see what was going on, and there was five individuals uh, standing on the tracks. One thing that struck my curiosity is, uh, at the time my mother was dating uh, an attorney, Name uh Man I uh, name him well enough to recognize him. There were uh two more individuals that uh, a few minutes after we got there, uh, we in there we we're walking in the tracks they had a rifle uh, and it looked to be a flashlight.
0: News off the top of the show. So I'm doing a, a TV show watch. This is big for me. I don't do this very wow. often. Wow. Stop the presses. I don't watch a lot of television. Um, as has been well documented on here. And I decided I'm not going to throw it onto a poll to our listeners because, frankly, I don't trust them. Um, they listen to this show. Clearly, they have no taste. <laughs> um, But I was texting with you guys and decided on Shits Creek. Ian, you, you're a big fan. Yeah, I like that show a lot. You haven't watched it, have you? have Dave? not. So I started it. And then I realized that it's on Netflix, but it's coming off on October 2nd. So now I have to get through 80 episodes by October <laughs> 2nd. So I'm gonna have to do like a super binge. And I've been trying. I'm almost done with season one. But do you like it? it so far? I like it so far. It's good. Yeah. It's not quite as funny as I was hoping, like laugh out loud type moments. But it's good. It's, it's I mean, I'm excited to like watch new episodes. It's it gets me
2: funnier after the first season. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good to know.
0: Because I'm in, I'm definitely enjoying it. But again, it definitely always,
2: picks up after the first season.
0: I prefer the comedies in general. So, this is right up my alley. And then the, that dude is Eugene Levy's son, right? Yeah, David. Dan, David, yeah. yeah. I'm so bad with character names on shows. He's David, and then Eugene Levy's John, right? Johnny and Moira, Moira, Moya. Moya. That's like they say it weird. Moira. I Moira, think, yeah. And yeah. I, I forget their daughter's name.
2: But David's anyways. my favorite character.
0: He's awesome. He's hilarious. Yeah, David. They took him on the turkey shoot. But like the turkey hunt, and I was like, This is exactly how I would be on a turkey hunt. <laughs> so, oh, anyway. spoiler. I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> the name of the episode's turkey hunt.
1: How <laughs> much of a spoiler there? You want to hear my new show? Yeah, I've been watching industry on HBO, it's very good so far.
0: Who stars in it? What's it about? It's about the world of finance in London. It's a brand new show, or are you just binging? It's it? a couple years old. I had never even heard of it. That's nice. Then you have plenty of episodes to catch up on. Yeah, it's good so far. How'd you find that? Scrolling through an ad on HBO, I believe. Watching also the target ad, they're like this motherfucker is going to watch this. I
1: love this. Good so far. All right.
2: I have not watched anything new. Angie's been watching a show, The Handmaid's Tale, or A Handmaid's Tale. So I've been kind of that's a few years old, right? Yeah, I've been kind of like in the background on that. It's very stressful though
0: um so you don't need that in your life
1: i've read the book a couple times and i started watching the movie and uh i don't know it's very distressing yeah i don't like there's a movie you're watching
0: the show there's a show angie's watching
2: the show and i just see it in the background
0: is the movie based off the show or the show based off the movie or how does that work well it's based off the book right but the movie was
2: from a while ago the movie
1: the character was played by liam neeson's wife the one that died mm. i can't remember her name
2: like the show seems good, but it's very stressful. It's like about like a group of people that like really conservative people end up taking over the country and everything's by the Bible and women can't, they don't have any rights anymore. I'm like, this is too close to reality. Like this could yeah. be coming up. I don't want to hear. <laughs> sound <know>. very fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. After one of those episodes,
0: the first season, I go, I don't really want to watch this anymore. Yeah. That so was it. Um, all right. Well, speaking of stressful, <laughs> this ep- our story sh- uh, sure does not get any better this week. Uh, in fact, this. I was uh, smelling Hillary's panties. The bill dropped off. <laughs> Sorry. What were you, That's right, you probably had a fun afternoon. <laughs> this whole episode kind of reminds me uh, of that scene in Goodfellas after the Latanza heist when De Niro gets paranoid and just starts having everybody whacked and they're just finding bodies everywhere. Sure has that feel, doesn't it? Yeah, there's like definitely a cars. string of murders here. Yeah, they're in their cars and in the meat locker and in, in the dumpsters and just everyone's showing up, uh, up dead. They're playing Layla, right? Derek and the Domino's Yeah, like the 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 interlude, like the piano part. Yeah. yeah. Fucking just shooting Samuel L. Jackson in the back of the head. Let's get that coffee to go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, take over, pal.
2: Before we move forward with this story, we need to stop off and give some context to what was going on in Little Rock and the surrounding areas back in the 1980s regarding the transportation of drugs. Nearby in Mina, Arkansas, 160 miles west of Little Rock, um, there were ties to cocaine thanks to Barry Seal, who had been gun running and smuggling cocaine out of Columbia and into the U.S. since 1981. Barry Seal used low flying planes to airdrop drug packages in remote areas of Louisiana where his ground team picked them up. The number of planes, which Seal had 12, and the frequency of the drops alerted Louisiana State Police and federal investigators, and so Seal moved his operation to the smaller Mena, Arkansas area. Later, it would come out that he was also a CIA operative who ended up murdered in February of 1986 after a hit was put out on him. But the word in the area was that the drug trafficking hadn't stopped and a high profile politician was involved as well as police and local legal influence. So at this point it was rumored that Kevin and Don may have unintentionally stumbled onto one of these drug or cash drops and were killed as a result. There's also rumors going around that they knew the drop was coming and they wanted to rip it off, either rip off the money or rip off the drugs. Yeah. It's not a good idea. No, sixteen and seventeen years old. Nope, but still,
1: were they going to spotlight the guys <laughs> yeah.
2: and oh, oh and then run away with all their drugs?
1: But that whole Barry Seal would be another series, multiple episodes in and of yeah. itself.
2: His story is crazy. It's wild
1: that uh, that Tom Cruise American Made movies based on Barry Seal. If you ever seen that, loosely, I'm not sure how
2: accurate it is, but uh, from what I read, he put or uh, uh, ran about three to $4 billion worth of cocaine into the country Crazy. over his career. Wow. Some of that being for the CIA, of yeah. course. All right. That's weird. Ian, why would the CIA be importing <laughs> cocaine
1: into the United States? <laughs> hmm.
2: So we're going to go through a whole cast of characters here. And later in the episode, we'll get into how all this information was compiled. But for now, we're just going to keep it in chronological order because some of this stuff doesn't come out till years and years later. And, but it'd be hard
1: to follow if you didn't go across. Yeah,
2: I agree. So the first guy we only know by the name Jerry, um, not to be confused with the train conductor from last week, Jerry Tomlin. So Mike Crook was the manager of a nightclub called Gigi's. And one of the regulars that we only know is the alias. Jerry told Mike Crook a story that he probably saw Don and Kevin on the night that they died. Jerry said that he was sitting in a convenience store parking lot on the night that the boys died. Jerry said that he saw three teenage boys, two on foot, matching Kevin and Don's description, and one on a motorcycle. Jerry thought that they were smoking weed, and when a police car pulled up, the kid on the motorcycle took off. At that point, two officers got out of the car and started, quote, beating the shit out of the two boys, and then threw them in the back of the car. Mike Crook talked Jerry into reporting this to the authorities, because at first he's like, I'm pretty sure I saw the cops do this. Like why I don't want to report this, but Mike crook talked him into it. So when Jerry went in, Sheriff James steed threw Jerry in jail and held him for 90 days. After the 90 days, Jerry told Mike crook that he was told by sheriff steed to leave town and not come back. So that's what he did. According to Mike crook, Jerry moved out to California and no one has ever been able to track him down.
0: Well, I'm sure sheriff steed had a very good reason for detaining him for 90 days.
2: I saw some stuff about back (laughs) child support, um, but that's not for sure, you know, cause we don't even know this fucking guy's name, his real name at least. Right. Right. So, um, but according to Mike Crook, he was thrown into jail for 90 days and then he just left.
1: I guess it seems like one of those small town where the the sheriff and the, the deputies run everything. And if you've witnessed this and you're going to report it to them, like, it's not going to turn out good for you. What are you supposed to do? You yeah, can't they just, fight they city they hall as they say. So you, yeah,
0: they lock you up, and no one's going to come. Like, what? What can anyone else do? They know who runs the town. That's it.
1: Unless you
2: can get to the feds somehow, and you know, you're kind of going to get fucked up. Another witness that we only know by the alias Ron had been at Gigi's on the night that the boys died. Is Gigi's a strip club or just a? I think so. That's what it sounded like to me. They have good strip clubs in Arkansas. You think? Probably, right? I don't know if Gigi's would be on that
0: list. You don't was, think so? Just making a assumption now, so <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't think Gigi's would be on that list.
0: <laughs> I once went to a strip club in Dothan, Alabama. How was that? Wasn't the greatest. No? But I've been to some uh, strip clubs outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Those also have not been the greatest.
1: <laughs> so I've know. been to a strip club in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, there was a burn victim dancing, so
2: it's okay. I well, don't mind. Sounds like wild card night. Eh, you just never know. Whatever. Not so much the... Holes is holes, Dave. With Gigi's, I... Not so much the women as like the The clientele. Yeah, the clientele. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think I would love hanging out at Gigi's. That's mostly the problem at any
0: most seedy strip clubs, right? It's more the clientele that shows up. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Not so much the the fine professional dancers. Unless it's amateur night, then they're clearly not professionals. (laughs) Otherwise, they shouldn't be on the stage. It's a violation of the rules. Amateur night's the best time to go. I don't know if I've ever been to an amateur night. I mean, I might have. I just, I don't recall. All right. necro night at the strip club. <laughs> now, we're, now, we're, now we're talking. fellas.
2: <laughs> so Ron had been drinking a good amount while he was at Gigi's. So he was using back roads to get home. As Ron got close to the same convenience store that Jerry talked about, he saw an unmarked police car. Ron said that he knew this was a police car because of all the antennas on it. Ron pulled off to the side of the road in a spot where he could see the officers, but they couldn't see him. He was going to wait until they were gone because he didn't want to get a DUI. At that point, Ron said that he saw the two officers approach the boys, one fitting Don Henry's description and the other had his head down, so Ron couldn't ID him. Ron said that the two officers beat both of the boys and threw them in the back of their car and drove down a dead end road. Ron knew that the road was a dead end, so he waited until the police car came back out because, like you said, he was drinking. He didn't want them to be get behind him or anything. Ron said that it took about 15 to 20 minutes for the car to come out, and he couldn't tell if the boys were in the back still or not. Ron also ID'd the police officers as Prescott, Arkansas officers, Kirk Lane and Jay Campbell. So already corroborating stories for the
1: most part, at least the basic yeah.
2: premise here. The only issue, I guess you could say, with these is their aliases. We don't know mm-hmm. who Jerry or Ron, who those people are. So where but does this they eyewitness up? account come from? Later grand jury stuff? Ron? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I and mean, we'll talk about it later, but Linda Ives, the website she compiled, is there's so much information okay. on there.
0: And so clearly, I mean, obviously the police weren't taking these reports or accounts seriously or documenting them or making them public, so the people reporting them didn't realize that there were multiple
2: other people reporting the same thing, which would have helped strengthen their cause. Yeah. I mean, this is all, maybe I I don't know if I, maybe I misunderstood your question. This is all stuff, either grand jury or private investigators and stuff. This would, this stuff wasn't reported to the police or anything like that. Like that. No, that
0: was was my question. Jerry one was right. Like the story was that he reported it to the police. And what I'm saying is the police then didn't go out and say, Hey, anyone who was around that gas station that night, let us know because we have reports that there were two guys there. Whereas if other people were going to end up reporting the same thing, had they known that there were other people making those same statements, they might've felt more, I strongly influenced to go make their reports as well, but it was all kind of covered up and and, and buried by the police. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think we'll see later. That
1: in fact, they were actively discouraging that from from right. taking place. Yep, I've done that before. Like one time in our in our old neighborhood, took the back roads home at two thirty in the morning. Yeah driving with my hand over one eye <laughs> so I could see straight. And God damn it, if I didn't pull up at the stop sign of a fucking cop at the exact same minute, I'm
0: like, you have got to be kidding me. That is some terrible luck.
2: Yeah, that's bad luck. I
0: was good, though. It also wasn't that far of a drive.
2: No. Yeah, it's like right around the corner. Like a quarter
0: mile. You could have I'm walked like, at
1: that. How point. is this happening? No, you
0: could have walked in, man.
1: I was just being lazy. Oh,
0: I know. <laughs> well, like this guy, you know, fell in the mud. Yeah. Climbed fences like you had so much trouble getting from a backyard to another backyard, let alone although you know
1: GPS issues. So I never did that again. Don't, Don't drive move. intoxicated, kids. Don't do that. It's not a good idea.
2: Next up is Keith McCaskill, who was forty three years old in nineteen eighty eight. McCaskill was six three, over two hundred pounds, and he had a huge beard, just like this big burly guy. And he was kind of like this local legend for breaking up bar fights. Like if two guys at the bar started fighting, he would just fuck both of them up and just keep drinking. We talked about it last week, but the people of Arkansas were demanding a resignation from Dr. Fami Malik, and the people of Alexander weren't thrilled with Sheriff James Steed. People close to McCaskill said that in October of 1988, he was acting really weird. He was getting things in order. Like he was going to die. He was also telling people that he was being followed by two police officers, Kirk Lane and Jay Campbell. Then on November 8th, 1988, McCaskill was at the bar that he was a regular at. And as he was leaving, he pulled two pennies out of his pocket, put them on the bar and said, if Sheriff James Steed loses the election, this is what my life's worth. Sheriff Steed lost that election. And sure enough, two days later on November 10th, McCaskill was found murdered in his home. McCaskill's body was found in his carport Wrapped in a floral pattern shower curtain And he had been stabbed 113 times Inside his house It looked like a war happened Shit was broken all over the place Everything was covered in blood Like there was a brutal fight to the death That took place With a big dude like that I'm sure The story gets more intriguing
0: This guy sounds like he was a badass though
2: Went on fighting clearly In August of 1989, McCaskill's murder was pinned on 19-year-old Ronald Smith. I say pinned because Ronald was considered developmentally disabled and wasn't able to fully comprehend the justice system and the fact that he was a really skinny kid. He wasn't going to fight McCaskill to the death. Ronald was sentenced to 10 years in prison, and he's always stuck to the same story about what happened that day. Ronald said that he was over at McCaskill's house paying him for some antiques that Ronald's mother was buying from McCaskill when three men wearing clown masks burst into the house. One of them had a gun and the other two had knives. Ronald said that he was held at gunpoint while the other two men fought and stabbed McCaskill to death. Then Ronald was forced to stab McCaskill after he was dead. While one of the men took a Polaroid picture, they told Ronald that the picture would be blackmail to keep him from talking but he just ended up getting sentenced and thrown Jeez. in jail for this.
1: I guess the implication here is the sheriff's tidying up a lot of loose ends on his criminal enterprise
2: as he's leaving office, right? That's what it sounds like. Mm. And there's there's running themes here. People have been uh, told to stab other people. It's right. like this collateral, terror, uh, this blackmail type thing.
0: Did they end up mm. using that picture then to get him? convicted of it, or did they just, like, the sheriff was just
2: like, no, this guy did it, let's get him in front of a judge. Yeah, no, there was no picture shown. That's just what he says happened.
1: Yeah. Maybe, well, if he only got 10 years, it sounds like maybe an involuntary manslaughter conviction, and they said, if we have the Polaroid, it proves, you know, murder or something like that, and so take your 10 years, or we'll have you put away
2: for life. Maybe something along those lines. Very possible. Because this kid... Definitely did not kill uh, Keith McCaskill. There's no way mm. that he stabbed him 113 times. Yeah. No, a lot of
1: strange things going on here. They don't add up. They don't add up to a train
2: accident. Let's just say that this isn't For what you would expect not. to happen after a quote unquote accidental right. train accident. It really is like
1: Goodfellas, just like you said.
0: That's what it reminded yeah, me yeah, of. When we're going crazy. through. It's just like scene to scene to scene. Mm-hmm. We really should be playing. Uh, Eric Clapton or, or Layla the, <laughs> over it. Was that Cream? Derek and the Dominoes. Derek and the Dominoes. I can't keep track of all of his endeavors.
2: Yeah, he had a lot of them. The next person is Keith Coney. Keith is going to put even more weight to corroborating some of the stuff that we've talked about so far. Keith was friends with Kevin and Don and was in the same age range, so 16 and 17. After they died, people close to Keith said it was like something was eating him alive, like he completely changed. His mother asked him what was going on, but Keith said that he was afraid to tell her. Eventually, his father pulled one of those things like, you're not leaving this room or this house or anything until you tell me what's going on. Keith told his father that he had been with Kevin and Don on the night that they died. He had been on his motorcycle, and Kevin and Don were on foot. They were smoking some weed, and when a police car pulled up, Keith took off on his motorcycle. So that lines up with Jerry. It sure does. Keith was subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury, but a couple days later, he died. The official story is that Keith was driving his motorcycle and crashed into the back of a semi-truck. However, witnesses said that Keith was being chased by a vehicle, and trying to get away, he swerved and accidentally hit the truck. Some of the witnesses stopped to help Keith and said that his throat was slit. Not enough to kill him, but pretty damn close. An autopsy should have been done, but that never happened. And Fami Malik ruled the death as accidental.
1: <laughs> Jesus. When was the uh the grand jury subpoena? Like what kind of time elapsed between their death and their like how long was he left kind of swinging out in the wind thinking about this? I wonder.
2: Not really, really long, you know. Not and we may have talked about it last week. I just don't remember. Yeah, not, not really long okay. after. So it wasn't years or anything? No. Okay. Hmm. And the grand jury was just to change the ruling from Fammy Malik's accidental mm-hmm. uh, death to get this opened up and be able to look into the case more. Right. Two weeks later, 26-year-old Greg Collins was subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury. Greg was called in beforehand to meet with special prosecutor, Dan Harmon. And not long after this meeting, Greg disappeared. So remember, Dan Harmon was brought in uh as an outside guy. Yeah, and he pretty much approached Linda Ives in the Henry family like, I'm your guy. I'm gonna help you guys out. So yeah, not long after meeting with Dan Harmon, Greg disappeared. On January 22nd, 1989, Greg's body was found in a wooded area in Prescott, Arkansas, with a gunshot to his face and two to the body. Famy Malik ruled that Greg's death was a suicide.
1: What was Greg's uh, involvement in the case? Any idea? I'm not sure. You might not even know about yeah. these
2: people, how they were. Just know that he was summoned. Yeah.
0: Remember that time you shot yourself twice in the body and then were able to also <laughs> shoot yourself in the head?
2: with a shotgun
0: i'm gonna pretend that malik ruled he shot himself in the head first and then <laughs> two in the body because it's really not out of the realm of something this guy would say as we're gonna get to a little bit more further on
2: it would be incredibly hard to even get up and try to reach for the gun after you shot yourself in the chest once yeah let alone doing a second time
0: especially a shotgun yeah, you're and then a third a hole to in, your in your head chest.
2: Mm. yeah you're not yeah
0: you're not getting up Even if it's not your chest, anywhere in your body, Hmm. like you're going to have a real hard time getting off two more shots to yourself. Suicide, huh? What a convenient conclusion he came
2: to. In March of 1989, a tip came in that Daniel Bearden, who was in the same age range as Kevin and Don, had been missing for eight months and was buried in a remote area near the Arkansas River. Daniel's body was never found, but a piece of a shirt that was confirmed to be his was found. Daniel sold weed every now and again, and he was subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury. Daniel, or his body, had never been found. Next is 21-year-old Jeffrey Rhodes. Jeffrey knew Don and Kevin, and shortly before they died, Jeffrey said that Don told him that he knew, quote, the ultimate dealer in Little Rock. Jeffrey told his mother that he was afraid for his life and, And he called his father, who was living in Texas, and told him that he needed to get out of Arkansas because he knew too much about, quote, the boys on the tracks and Keith McCaskill. Two days later, Jeffrey's motorcycle was found on the side of the road, standing on its kickstand like someone had pulled him over. A week later, Jeffrey's body was found in a dumpster near Benton, Arkansas. He had been shot once in the head, and his hands, feet, and head had been partially sawed off and he had also been set on fire, almost like somebody was got lazy. Like they're like, oh, this is too hard. They were going to cut off his hands and feet and stuff yeah. for like identifying. tired of
1: doing it. Like, eh, fuck it.
2: Yeah. Then tried to set him on fire. It's really hard to burn a body, too. Like yeah. it has to be really hot. And then they just said, fuck the whole thing and this threw him in a dumpster.
0: Easy. Malik's ruling suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but probably. Heart disease.
2: An anonymous tip was later called in saying that a Benton police officer had pulled Jeffrey over and killed him. This tipster said that some Benton police officers were involved with the Alexander Sheriff's Department as well as the Prescott officers we brought up earlier. In July of 1989, Richard Winters was killed by a shotgun blast to the face during a robbery that had gone bad. The rumor was that this wasn't a robbery, it was just a setup because Richard had been subpoenaed to testify in front of the grand jury. So maybe a bunch of locals were
1: either aware of what was going on or worked for the sheriff as part of this operation. I mean, maybe they got popped for something small later and tried to trade that knowledge to get off and
0: or saw the kids that night at the gas station, or were spreading the talk about what other people like that Jerry guy. Oh, I was with Jerry at Gigi's and he told me he saw those boys. Well, now you start running your mouth too much and now they're just out. Someone's cleaning house. Yeah, sure. I mean, small town like this, like that's, it's bound to happen. I mean, like the word will spread. And then now like, you know, Oh, this guy heard from Jerry and this guy's reporting Jerry stuff and this guy. And now it's like, well, let's just take them all out. Clearly there's no accountability. Let's just take them out.
2: And most of these young guys, these teens and like early 20s, they all sold weed here and there. And Don and Kevin had weed on them the night that they died. They, they, you have to get it from somewhere. Yeah. Right? There's no dispensaries back then. Right. Um, so and they're buying it from somewhere illegal. And I'm sure some of these, these kids knew stuff. And you know they're going to run their mouths. Like, oh, yeah, I know the ultimate dealer in Little Rock. He's not talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're implying, but yeah, if the sheriff's
1: involved in, in hiding the drug operation, they're probably buying their weed from him.
2: Barry Seal, after you know things were said and done when he got um, did some interviews, he said that there were poli- the local police, would stand guard for his drug drops. So I'm sure that is part of it. At least. Part of this, yeah. Not too long after Richard Winters died, James Millam was found dead in his home, decapitated. We talked about James Millam last week when I was like giving an example of Fami Malik. James reportedly was a direct witness to Barry Seal's operation in Mena, Arkansas, and to what happened to Don and Kevin on the night that they died. Fami Malik ruled that James had died from an ulcer even though he didn't have a head. <laughs> Jesus. Malik said that James's dog had completely eaten his head last week. When I used this as, as an example, I said that he chewed his uh, head off, right? but no, when you read the part, he said the dog actually ate his whole head.
1: So the head was gone. Head is no gone. Head.
2: Yeah. Okay. Not long after the ruling was made, someone found James's head in their garbage can a couple blocks away from his house. Malik explained this away by saying that James's dog had regurgitated the head. How big is this dog? How'd this dog walk a couple blocks away and throw up in someone else's garbage can?
0: An entire head. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like Malik probably had one of those office space jump to conclusion maps. And he's like, uh, suicide, uh, accidental, uh, ulcer, uh, regurgitation. The dog must have been like a snake.
1: It like swallowed his head. It didn't chew
0: it at all. And just was like, (laughs) and it just like a bloop, a head pops out.
2: You know, there were people working close to Fami Malik that weren't corrupt. That are probably reading these reports. Like the fuck is this?
0: Yeah. But you don't dare open your mouth. Like you see all these people dying. You're doing the reports on them.
2: I don't think Fami Malik was a stupid guy and I don't think he was necessarily an evil guy either. I just think he was playing ball. And I think if he probably realized somewhere along here that if he stepped out of line that He'll he would be writing his own
0: report. Yeah, on he himself. would be dead real quick. I
2: died of liver cancer. I now mean, his head's like up in a tree. <laughs> I mean, and he was rewarded for playing along with this. Bill Clinton gave him a 41% raise. <laughs> That's right.
1: What was he? The, the
2: state's? coroner yeah no, he was a state medical examiner
1: so why didn't they have county medical examiners why is all this going directly to him at the state level for what would seem
2: to be local because down to say people died mm-hmm. from ulcers when they were clearly decapitated That by itself
1: is very strange yeah. you don't kick
2: those up to the state right unless that's how it works in uh yeah
0: I don't arkansas know.
2: i don't know I also saw some stuff online about um, Bill Clinton's mother. She was a nurse and I guess she had gotten in some potential trouble and Fammy Malik kind of came to the rescue really? and helped her out in that. So it was like Bill Clinton also possibly would have had something to thank Fami Malik for. Uh, please refer to my statement at the opening of the show. <laughs>
0: I was busy and uh, Jennifer Flowers that day. <laughs> uh, I had nothing to do with it. In, in like uh, Nebraska or something, right? You were yeah, in yeah, Arkansas. Yeah,
2: absolutely. In June of 1990, Jordan Kettleson, who was rumored to have played a part in the deaths of Kevin and Don, as well as in the murder of Keith McCaskill, was found dead in the front seat of his truck from a shotgun shot to the face. His body was cremated before an autopsy could be done, and there was no police investigation. Uh, nothing from anybody on this. It was just like, this didn't happen. I believe the correct lingo is
1: shotgun blast. You have to say blast in blast. association with a shotgun. It That's how they be do a
2: it in the movies. Shot.
0: Shotgun blast. He took a blast to the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't take a blast to the face, but somebody did.
2: <laughs> We've been going in chronological order so far, and we'll circle back to the rest of 1990, 91, and 92 But first, we need to fast forward to 1993 when Tommy Niehaus approached Linda Ives. Tommy Niehaus was really just a kid back in 1987 when Don and Kevin died. Now in 1993, he was 18 years old and had gotten the courage to come forward. Tommy said that the night Kevin and Don died, he and a couple of his friends were out in the woods messing around near the tracks. They saw some lights and decided to duck down and hide. Tommy and his friends saw three men on the tracks and two other figures that were either kids or teenagers. They said they were definitely smaller than the men that they saw. Tommy talked his friends into moving a little closer so they could see more and that the two figures matched the description of Don and Kevin. Tommy said that the three men were calling out to the two boys and motioning for them to walk over to them and to Tommy it didn't look like they wanted to. Then all of a sudden, Tommy said that they heard what he thought was a gunshot and a flash of light that was different from the flashlights that the men were carrying. At that point, Tommy got scared and he and his friends took off. When Tommy was asked if he could recognize anyone at the tracks that night, he said that he saw his mother's boyfriend there, Special Prosecutor Dan Harmon. Good grief. So it was his mother's boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, Dan Harmon interjected himself into this. They didn't ask him to be a special prosecutor. No. He came forward. And he was all on the side of the Ives and Henry families.
0: Put this in the fishy column right
1: now. This is fishy. Well, if you're a bad guy and involved, the, the best way to keep an eye on you know, the victim's family and seeing what they're pushing for is to
0: be the inside guy right right and have all the witnesses have to meet with you
1: yeah not for to, the
0: grand jury not to make this all about scorsese movies but isn't that exactly what the departed is <laughs> matt Damon is overseeing <laughs> the investigation to find the rat who is he in a word yes mm-hmm. I' will turn this all back to scorsese films mm-hmm. as we go through you're doing pretty good so far so
2: in 1990 east arkansas u.s attorney chuck banks appointed assistant u.s attorney bob gover to start a secret federal investigation into drug trafficking and corruption around central Arkansas. This led assistant prosecutor Gene Duffy being appointed as the head of a drug task force that supplied information to Bob Gover's investigation. All of this information that we've been talking about so far was compiled by Gene Duffy and funneled to Gover. And Dan Harmon kept popping up in every one of these little threads. Either they met with Dan Harmon a couple of days before they died or something. Well, in May of 1990, Dan Harmon became prosecutor elect for Saline County, and he immediately started calling for Gene Duffy to be fired. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> On January 1st, 1991, Harmon took office as the Saline County prosecutor and took over Gene Duffy's task force. Harmon tried to get a grand jury to indict uh, Gene Duffy, but he failed. So Harmon pulled strings and got a judge to issue a subpoena for Gene Duffy to bring him the evidence she had against him. To protect her witnesses, like the people that we've talked about so far, there's families of these, you know, deceased people that spoke to her. Um, So to protect those people, she ignored the subpoena and a warrant was issued for her arrest and a $50,000 hit was put out on her life. So she went into hiding for nine months. That hits verified by the FBI. Someone paid to have her killed. Living in Arkansas seems very dangerous. It's getting wild down there. It is. It's
1: wild
0: west type stuff going on here. Is is Arkansas just considered the south? Is it the plains? It's the south, right? The south. I mean, we consider it the south, but is it geographically a part of that? I think so. I think so too. The southwest-ish. Well, it's not Southwest, though. It's getting there, no? I don't think it's... It's right by Texas. I know,
1: because I've been to Texarkana, right (laughs) on the border.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say South, final answer. Works for me. On my map, it's the South.
2: In June of 1991, U.S. Attorney Chuck Banks shut down the federal investigation into drug trafficking and corruption and publicly cleared Dan Harmon and other public officials of any wrongdoing. So someone important talked to chuck banks because he's an important position here and he shut his investigation down
0: the guy sitting in the room with us might have had something to do with that don't give him your microphone dave he's not going to give you another pair of panties he's done talking i think i was in fiji that year (laughs) he's he's not done talking what's that he's done talking narrator he wasn't done talking
2: Then in August of 1991, Dan Harmon refused a mandatory court-ordered drug test. Like, all government workers had to take this test, and he just said he wasn't going to do it. He spent 18 days in jail, and someone must have cleared it up for Dan because he remained the Saline County prosecutor like nothing ever happened Mm. with that. Imagine going to
0: Arkansas, suck at your job, 41% raise, suck at your job, keep it for five more years. (laughs) (laughs) We'd be really good in Arkansas. Cause we're really bad at our jobs. Hey, and hey, miles hey, hey, so hey imagine hey. what we can do down there be kings of the world.
1: Well, Mike has twice refused cool out media corporate drug test. He's still sitting here, he doesn't care. Somebody should do something. About what are you that. hiding, pal? <laughs> you don't even want to know.
2: <laughs> Moving forward, after Tommy Niehaus in 1993, the next person to introduce in this story is a woman by the name of Charlene Wilson. Charlene Wilson was involved in a separate criminal case in 1993, and in front of a grand jury, she testified that in 1987, she was dating Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon was married, by the way, and he's dating Charlene Wilson and dating Tommy Nehouse's mom, so. Wow. Dan's up to a lot of stuff. Word of this made its way to investigators that were actually trying to figure out what the hell had happened to Don and Kevin, so Charlene Wilson was brought in to answer some further questions. Well, the
1: dating app in Arkansas is incestry.com, right? So everyone's (laughs) kind of related.
0: That sounds about
2: right. First, they wanted to know what went on between her and Dan Harmon regarding drugs. Charlene said that Dan kept her high a lot of the time, and she went on some drug drops with him. Investigators asked her if they were going to investigate Dan further, where should they start? Charlene said that they should reach out to Dan's ex-wife, Rebecca, and then go through every detail available regarding his money. She also said to look back through drug offenders that were let off the hook while Dan was in office, as well as drugs that went missing from evidence. Regarding Don and Kevin, Charlene said that she drove with Dan to meet a man in Alexander. She said this man was named Keith, and he sure matched the description of Keith McCaskill. Investigators told her to rewind a bit and go through that day, morning until night, as best as possible. Charlene said that she woke up, did some coke, and then cleaned her house. In the afternoon, Dan Harmon came over and wanted to show Charlene a house in Alexander. After they looked at this house, the two of them went back to Charlene's where they ate some food and she put some makeup on. That night, the two of them went back out to Alexander because Dan said he needed to meet up with someone. That would be who Charlene described as Keith McCaskill. They pulled into a road not far from the train tracks and Dan threw Charlene a bag of Coke and told her to stay in the car and hang out. (laughs) Charlene was snorting Coke in Dan's car when Dan came running up to the car and pulled a green tarp out of his trunk and ran back towards the tracks.
0: A green tarp, you say?
2: (laughs) Where have we heard that detail before? It was an optical illusion.
0: That's right. I think it was in the Nexium episode. We talked about <laughs> <a green car. laughs> Fucking Keith.
2: A little while later, he came running back, got in the car and said, let's go. When they got back to Charlene's house, Dan told her that she had to take a shower right away and then he left to go back to his house. Saline County detective John Brown thought that there was more to this story than Charlene was telling. He believed her what she had said so far, but He felt that she was keeping some details out. Once Dan Harmon got word of this, he started threatening detective Brown, but Brown still pushed forward with his investigation and side note while it just popped in my mind, you know, Charlene Wilson in between this, like afterwards um, Dan Harmon pulled off getting her locked up on some drug charges Ah, for years. Wow. She spent years in jail because of it and then um
0: i was gonna say like her running her mouth like this like she had gave no fucks how yeah, did she no. just go untouched but she did not
2: no she did not uh dan Harmon pulled off getting her locked up and i think it was mike huckabee let her out like pardoned her after some of this stuff started coming out more wow. and more i think it was in 97 mike huckabee okay pardoned her did he personally
1: try her as the prosecutor because he they that's clearly a conflict of interest. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, no. Oh, now they're going to worry about that ethics? Yeah, it's he, a mess down there. He
2: locked her up, I want to say it was like for 30 years, for some random-ass drug charge. Wow. And she did. She served four of it, but for no reason. She was innocent. Wow. This guy's something. More like Mike Cuckabee. <laughs> In the next interview with Charlene, She said that her and Dan uh, got to the dead end road near the tracks uh, and Keith McCaskill was already waiting there. And in this version of her story, she didn't stay in the car. She walked with Dan and Keith McCaskill to the tracks. When they got to the tracks, Charlene said that there were already two other men there and they were all pissed off because a group of boys tried to rip off their drug drop, or at least they felt that these kids were trying to rip them off. Dan Harmon, Keith McCaskill, and these other two men were talking about how they chased these kids, but they got away. And at that point, two police officers showed up with two of the boys, which we presume is uh, was Don and Kevin. And Charlene said that one of them was already dead. At that point, Charlene said that Keith McCaskill killed the boy that was still alive. And Charlene was forced to stab that boy as like this, you're an accomplice now type thing, so you won't mm. talk. Well, wow, all these stories sure line up, don't they? Little bits are off between yeah. them, but that's just eyewitness accounts, sure. you know?
1: So it seems like Keith was uh, the enforcer for this operation,
2: probably. It seemed like he could have been like the muscle for mm-hmm. some of this. Yep. Charlene Wilson's statement and Tommy Niehaus' statement led to the FBI starting an investigation in December of '93. And in April of 1994, the FBI reached out to Jean Duffy and asked her to be a part of their investigation and bring forward the evidence that she had compiled.
1: I just want to point out that uh,
0: Clinton is president now at this point. So clearly, I mean, you wouldn't be elected president if you had any wrongdoing in your past, right? So I was spotless. He was (laughs) clearly was clean here.
2: Went to church, banged Hillary. That's about it. Interesting detail that the FBI found out. I can't remember if we talked about it actually or not, but Unsolved Mysteries ran an episode on this in 1988, and the partner of Dan Harmon, Richard Garrett, was on that episode, and he straight up said that I think that this was drug related. Well, the FBI found out that when people called in their tips because they saw the show, Garrett put out this you know this number: call us if you find anything out. And then the people that called would be would be threatened by Garrett or Dan Harmon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In my mind, I think that Richard Garrett said that it was like a straight-up drug thing on TV so that people would be like, oh, yeah, I heard about some drug shit going on down there. And then they would call in and, like, they wanted those. They wanted so, to hear from those people. Yeah. Yeah. And so they could tell them, shut your fucking wow. mouth.
0: Ballsy. Do you think those people with those calls were threatened as hard as people who called into Art Bell that had their radios on? <laughs> Because he was not <laughs> fucking around with
2: that. The FBI's report talking about this says, quote, individuals would call with information and a formal statement was never taken. The individual would then be threatened by telephone to keep his or her mouth shut.
1: They probably got their name and, and info mm-hmm. first. And they're like, hey, we know who the fuck you are now.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. They definitely got their name and that information oh, first. Damn. It's like, good fellas, you may know who we are, but we know who you That's are. Right. I'm going to get five more in before the show ends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it would seem that some very high up influential people or person maybe told the FBI to back off because in 1995, they abruptly stopped their investigation, saying, quote, based on the foregoing is my recommendation that the FBI conduct no further investigation into this matter. Sincerely yours, Ivan C. Smith, special agent in charge, FBI, Arkansas. Uh,
1: you have any idea who that person might have been? Maybe uh, <laughs> called Janarino. I think it was probably her. See <laughs> what she has to say. She lit up that Waco place pretty good. It's probably her fault.
0: Yeah, she sucked, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapped that little Cuban kid trying to stay in America.
2: <laughs> Remember that, Janarino? her fault. So in November of 1996, Dan Harmon was still the Saline County prosecutor. Charlene Wilson has been sitting in jail now for a couple years over, over this shit. And by all accounts, Dan is just doing shady shit this whole time. And in that month, in November of 1996, his wife was arrested outside of Dan Harmon's jurisdiction with a ton of cocaine on her <laughs> from the Saline County evidence room. Wow. Then Dan Harmon was forced to resign when he assaulted a reporter from the Arkansas Democrat Gazette who asked him for a comment on his wife's arrest. Mm, mm, mm. Stealing Coke from the lockup room. Charlene Wilson called it. She said, where would you investigate him? Or they yeah. asked her where she would investigate said, check uh, missing drugs from the evidence rooms. Hmm. In April of 1997, a federal grand jury indicted Dan Harmon with racketeering, drug trafficking, manufacturing of methamphetamine, extortion, witness tampering, and retaliating against an informant. Two other men, a local attorney and administrator of the drug task force, were also charged in relation to those crimes. Dan Harmon was convicted on five counts that was the racketeering, three extortion conspiracies, and one marijuana distribution charge. He was sentenced to eight years in prison with an additional three added on for a different drug charge. And after Dan Harmon was sentenced, 900 criminal cases were thrown out that he was involved in
1: as they should be.
2: I would lean towards almost all were probably innocent that they were thrown in there. Some type of retaliation or, or something running a criminal enterprise from the prosecutor's office in 1999, the Arkansas Supreme court disbarred Dan Harmon Uh, And then in 2006, he was released from prison after assisting prosecutors in a murder conspiracy case. This is fucking insane. But in 2008, Dan Harmon was again working for Saline County and on their payroll, organizing files for the circuit clerk. In February 2010, he was charged once again following a six month drug investigation for selling morphine and hydrocodone near a school. Uh, the prosecution's case in this was pretty weak. All they had was a testimony from the guy that Dan Harmon allegedly sold the drugs to. So he was acquitted, and Dan's just doing his thing out in the world still, mm. walking around free. It's a wild story, man.
1: A lot of things don't add up around there.
0: Is he still on the county payroll? <laughs> I don't.
2: I don't think so. I would hope not at this point. He's the president of Arkansas now, <laughs> <I heard>. right? <laughs> the president of the whole state. <laughs> <laughs> He's running
1: incestry.com.
0: He's the founder of, right?
1: He swiped diagonally. <laughs> it's okay to fuck your cousin, incestry.com.
0: Did you make that commercial or did you just talk about it? I don't remember. I, th- I swore you did something that. Like I, that. I don't off. remember.
2: And two other people before we go kind of finish up. Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane the two police officers that had been spotted, you know, spotted, by
1: multiple witnesses.
2: Yeah. So Jay Campbell ended up, um, becoming a police chief and then he was sentenced to 40 years for his part in running a criminal enterprise. Mm. He has been since released out of prison though. He didn't serve that 40 years. Uh, and Kirk lane went on to become a police chief as well in another area of Arkansas. And he never got in trouble for anything. Hmm. So just wanted to tie that in before
0: you became vice president of Arkansas, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Was, uh, the Harmon lane ticket.
2: <laughs> in 2016, Linda Ives filed a civil suit citing a freedom of information act violation against the CIA, the FBI and multiple police departments. Linda Ives filed so many of those FOIA requests and It just seemed like a slap in the face to her because they would come back like fucking almost completely redacted with just like a couple lines in them. Um, So that's what she sued for. It's like that they were clearly over redacting Mm. things. In November of 2017, a federal judge ordered three defendants in the suit, the executive office of the U S attorneys, the drug enforcement administration and the department of Homeland security to turn over documents for private review that had been formally redacted The same judge dismissed uh, a bunch of the agencies from the suit, including the CIA, the U.S. State Department, the FBI, the Arkansas State Police, the Saline County's Sheriff's Department and the Bryant Police Department. The suit was completely dismissed in 2019. So that just absolutely went nowhere. One of the newer things to come out kind of in between Linda filing that that suit and that, you know, in that case being dismissed ex-wrestler Billy Jack Haynes came forward saying that he had some information about what happened that night. This report came from KARK down in Arkansas. Billy Jack Haynes was interviewed by them, and uh, he claimed to have videotaped the boy's death because he was there that night being the muscle for this operation. Interesting. Um, he was asked if he had that videotape. He said, quote, well, that's something my private investigator and I haven't decided to say, where, why, or anything. That's up to the private investigator. So, this, he, a, this guy's looking for a payday. That's pretty much what K, A, R, K said that all of his claims are completely baseless. Is that where he
0: was living? Like, I mean, I mean, put I, him in that location, what was he doing? He's inside? from Portland and and that's time, what was this, August of 87? Yeah. He was employed by the WWF. He worked for the WWF from '86 to '88.
2: Yeah, he said that he was the muscle, and it was also his job to videotape these for like review to make sure everything went smooth. Videotape drug deals,
0: so they can watch uh, the footage back, like 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 an NFL team watches like game footage and like practicing. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, you could have been a little bit crisper here with the sliding uh, slicing
2: of his throat. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. He claims that he was hired by a criminal politician. Very, very (laughs) bad. Here
0: Billy Jack Haynes, I believe has went on to say a lot of ridiculous stuff. Um, That sounds, do you have that pulled up? Like I know he blamed stone cold Steve Austin for Roddy Piper's death. Like just ridiculous. Yeah, I did read that. There was something else he said. I can't remember, but I mean, he's known for just making these outlandish claims. I don't know what would have tied him to Arkansas at that time. He could have just been living there. I don't know. But I mean, this a few months prior to this, he was a part of WrestleMania three. That big one with Hogan and Andre.
2: Yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like there's anything credible here with him. What's, What's
0: he doing these days? Like, did he eventually
2: go crazy or anything?
0: 69 years old. I know that, but I don't know what he's doing kind of off the grid. I think he retired in like the mid 90s. Like he didn't have a huge successful career. Yeah. Maybe is why he's doing this now. But, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. What would tie him, even if he is making this up, but He was he just, like, searching for news stories and was like, oh, I'm going to be a part of this?
2: Yeah, like, I could plausibly say that I was there at that time. Yeah, without... He
0: must have been living in that area then or something.
2: Okay, so here we go. I got, I got that information here, why he was in Arkansas. Um, he says that he received an envelope after one wrestling show with a phone number to call the, quote, criminal politician. And uh, that criminal politician... Really. Wanted him to work, yeah. Interesting. Saw so him on WWF. Around that time I was like, hey, that guy. I want that guy to be the the muscle. Obviously, <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, if you're that guy, like you're working for the WWF, like that's you know, that's kind of like the place you want to be. Yeah. Right? Like the chance to make like all this money and you know, be the next Hulk Hogan. Take time off and go work for some hillbillies yeah. in the backwoods of Arkansas and stuff. Right. Like and just to get all of a sudden get involved in murders. Like, yeah, that
2: sounds like a better life. He also said that uh, Don and Kevin had their handcuffs or their hands cuffed behind their back. There was no evidence of that at the scene at all. There were no handcuffs found. Right. The conductor said that they were laying with their hands at their sides. So,
0: I mean, the only other thing I could think of is back in that day, you know, the, you hear stories that they're on the road two to two fifty three hundred days a year. Not knowing, no guaranteed money in wrestling. It was all based on the houses and what you drew. Yeah. Maybe he was made an offer that he was like, "Okay, for one night of doing whatever." I mean, if we're looking at it, that it's believable, which I don't. I think am not is. viewing it in that yeah, light no, at all. I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of the weirder stories that I've ever. It's crazy. A lot of shit piling up in this story.
0: Yeah.
2: Sadly, Linda Ives passed away in. 2021 and as far as i can see the pursuit of justice and this died with her that that's kind of a wrap on you know any type of actual justice
1: yeah that's not coming
2: that wouldn't come if she was still alive no that's never happening no
1: the one other thing i read i wanted to mention that and this is authenticated about a week before this happened there was some guy walking around that area, military fatigues. And when an officer approached him, the guy opened fire on him and he got away. But then some, one of these witnesses reported seeing that same guy in that back in that same area, the same day they were killed, Hmm, which is just another weird aspect here. Yeah. One more twist to the plot. I mean, I think we can all safely say they were not smoking joints and sleeping on the tracks. They stumbled no. onto something and were killed. I yeah, think we squashed out about
0: 14 seconds after yeah. well, sure. Ian read the read the notes, and we just all decided, nope, we're not buying that one.
2: Yeah, Fami Malik said it, what they had a hundred units of weed in them. Hundred units of weed, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fami Malik, he passed away in 2018. Mm, that's a shame. So, yeah, I was reading his accidental, obituary. Accidental death. I'm sure. Yeah, he's. I was reading his obituary survived by um, a bunch of his kids ended up being doctors and stuff
1: passed on a family business
2: and like I said earlier about Fami Malik, I don't think he was an evil person or stupid like he obviously didn't he obviously knew that that guy did not die from an (laughs) ulcer you know what I mean I just think that he um, he was just staying in his lane gotta do what you gotta do sometimes I guess if you don't want to get whacked
1: right Mike is that the term whacked Oh, that's one of the terms they use. Sure. Go take care of a guy. Make him sleep with the fishes. There you go. Is that a term they use too? I mean, probably. It's, I think that's like an old timey <laughs> term, right?
2: So my theory on this is uh, what happened is that Keith Coney, the kid on the motorcycle, I think he was with that was really with Don and Kevin that night and Jerry, the unknown Jerry, his version of events is accurate. that he saw this kid take off on his motorcycle and the two cops get out and and beat up don and kevin and then i think where charlene wilson picks it up seeing the boys on the tracks or the Mm -hmm. officers bringing the two boys back to the tracks one of them already dead i think that's probably the closest thing to the truth do you think they gave him a beating and he accidentally beat him to death or just killed him right off the bat. Or I don't. I
0: would say it's not an accident. I think they knew what they were doing. I mean, look what they did with their follow up. Clearly, they were not ki- afraid of killing. No, I mean when they we brought
1: they were bringing them back to the spot, and they said one of them was already dead. So oh. when they initially beat them up, they killed they, them too
0: quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe that.
1: Mm. You never gonna know. So
0: yeah, just a, a weird story. Horrible part one that like in part two just explodes into this just like parade of murders.
2: It's just such a crazy string of murders to, I don't know. This case isn't really well known. You think it would be more. Yeah. I didn't really know about this at all.
0: What happened to the sheriff after he lost the election?
2: Nothing really. He just kind of. Rode off into the sunset. Yeah. He probably fished every day at his lakeside cabin. Yeah. Watched the sunrise. I can't even imagine the amount of people Dan Harmon has fucked over. That we just don't know about in his time as a prosecutor. Does not seem like a good dude. No. Definitely not. Get him on the show, do an
0: interview. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, how dare you?
2: <laughs> now, The last thing I wanted to say about about this is that if anybody's just like really interested in digging deeper into this, go to idfiles.com, which is Linda Ives' website. It's still up tons of information on okay. there mm-hmm. uh, like maps and everything so if anybody like really wants to get an idea of like a visual of where you know the tracks were versus where that dead end road and stuff mm-hmm. she's got some maps on there and stuff it's probably helpful to visualize them mm-hmm. and i find it hard to believe that they were going to rip off that drug deal too i don't think that's accurate
1: so probably just out fucking around yeah hunt, hunting or whatever that's wrong what place wrong
2: time hunting,
0: yeah. right like yeah
1: I mean, their spotlight goes up and then, you know, it's a bunch of
2: people with 100 kilos of Coke. And they're like, hmm. Well, when that, you know, Tommy Niehaus, his statement said that he was out with a couple friends. It could have very well been him. And his friends had stumbled into this and we'd be talking about him instead. Yeah. Good yeah. point. You know, so it's not out of the realm to say that there were not kids that just fucking around out there.
0: Is there nothing else better to do in Arkansas than just roam around <laughs> fields in the middle of the night? Like, why yeah. were there just so many people out at this in, in, this hour? In Southern Ohio, that was one like, you know, the After woods, Wendy's closed and you had no place else to go, you had to go to the woods and then you ate uncooked and, pizza and then everyone went to bed.
2: I would be in the woods with my friends fucking around from morning till night in the like summertime a giant
0: gangbang like just fucking around everyone's yep. doing each other
2: mm-hmm. okay everyone's doing each other
0: well he yeah. said and be out in the woods <laughs> fucking around with all my friends so it's just a giant orgy circle jerk well um probably but you know, all, so, all onto a, a uncooked pizza and then they ate it <laughs>
2: god yeah i could see a yeah based on that like growing up in, in yeah. that type of thing I. Because you would even run across other kids sometimes that you knew out. Like, what are you guys doing out here? Yeah, like fucking around. Like, oh, yeah. what are you, what are you guys up to? So yeah, I'm, I'm sure it could have, if it wasn't Don and Henry, it could have been someone else that mm. night. Well, sad
1: story. I don't know. I think there's probably a Venn diagram here with all these eyewitness accounts, and it's probably in the intersection somewhere, right in the middle there. Yeah.
0: All right, we got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Andy Carbuddy. Cassie Kulp, Jasmine Evelise, Dylan Gardner, Scott Carhart, Jordan Zygra, Lii Smith, Cody Buckin, Samantha Dominic, Seaman Staines of the USS Jiztown, <laughs> Brandon Lemoyne, Aiden Posey, Hatchet Wound Connoisseur. Zach Ho- Ho- Horvat, Nicole Petronio, James Raquel Womble, Victoria Dahlman, Adriana, 3am Worm, Julia Clifton, Serena Friedman, Satan Deathblood Fuck. That sounds like one of you guys' favorite bands. Anal. Don't forget about the Come Commander's Jester, the Not Molester, Ivy Esposito. Uh, Estelle Guerrino Leo Suter Lane Birkenmeyer LJ Esten in West Philadelphia born and raised on the pearly ground is where I spent most of my days <laughs> chilling out maxing, relaxing all cool
2: What's is, that where, they, is that where they stopped their name
0: that was it I read the entire name
2: <laughs> I didn't know if you were just going off of it no no
0: uh, it was, that was what they put they would have put the whole song. We could have just queued up the music. <laughs> Jay Hirsch, Steve Erickson, Joe Barty, Brittany Moomaw, Therese Bratz Anderson, Menopause, Cassidy Beck, Earth Adventure Cinematic Universe, Joshua Meehan, Jillian Rombalski, Rombalski Paul Johnstone, Friday Night Cuck Coordinator, Brandon Kingston, No One Should Run 26 Miles in 2022, Jeff Sutton, Andy Rodriguez, Mary Mike, Fuck Ian, Kill Dave. Eat it. That's not nice. You haven't seen new and improved weight loss, Dave. He's healthy boy now. It's true. He could fuck for <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha Raider, Daniel Wilson, Megan Harper Spencer. Dave's Hot and Sticky, Bill Medier, Metier, Caitlin, Herbert, McKenna Sims, Sue Gaynor, Jackson Fitzgerald, Natasha Kirby, Giselle Osborne, Daniel Stark, Tara Baker, Gray Rabbit. Thank you all very much. We're at patreon.com slash necronomapod. Oh, and uh, apologies. I had one make good from last week.
2: Thank you to uh, AJ Seifert. Ian? For iTunes, I've one for Miss Heersy, Chris fourteen, L Senior Balls Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Montana, Rindolin L LRF seventy four, Little Party Kid, Whitney Lee, Indie Zebra, and ABC at Drew. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews.
1: Dave, what do you got? I have one from Great Britain, Nikki Swindell. Thank you so much. And I have our military shoutouts for the week. Let's start off with Matt, elbow deep in the shit pump. Tobin, John West. How they fit all that on his badge and his dog tags or whatever. <laughs> <it's got. laughs> Carolyn, Tracy Hawkins, who's a dude, dude Tracy. He pointed out, and Josh Fritz. Thank you so much for your service, guys. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you listening. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, one more point of clarification on your Patreon shout outs. I had seen some messages from people looking for their missing shout outs, and it turns out they had been a patron previously. Like, you quit and rejoin. Like, it doesn't work like that. They don't, like, you maintain your same Patreon join date. We don't have any way to identify that and, and do a new shout out. Every time you rejoin, it's yeah, just it not doesn't possible. show up as a brand
0: new patron. It no. shows up as you're now activated again, but it still has your initial date. Yeah, so like, like we can't tell. Yeah, that. there's no way for us to do that. Yeah, one shout out, people. Please, let's not get greedy here. This isn't Costco giving out free samples of corn dogs. <laughs> corn dogs. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, it, the entire show would just be us reading names. Yeah, exactly. All right, well done. Anything else? We got anything else to talk about? No. Covered breakfast foods. Maybe next time I'll be lunch foods. Be like Larry David. I don't like hot foods for lunch. Mm. That's that what he, that's what he said. Is that what it was hot yeah, foods. I think it was a recent season. They're debating mm. where to go for lunch, and Jeff's
2: like, "When we go to Italian, he's I like, 'I don't like hot food for lunch.'" That <laughs> sounds right. Hopefully, I didn't miss anything with this episode. I think I got everything in.
0: It's a lot of people to connect, and yeah. do you want to do you accounts and break kayfabe for a minute and talk about your IT mishap with this episode?
2: Oh yeah, we can talk oh. about that. That I, I just wrote seventy five percent of the outline. And then all of a sudden, um, I had like the dual screen going on my on my MacBook, and when I like closed it out just to go back to one one view, Pages was closed. All of a sudden, I'm like, well, I definitely didn't do that. And I opened it up, and then it's gone. Close. Clicked on the file, and I kept getting a corrupted error.
0: You were not a happy camper over the weekend.
2: No, I kind of did one of those things where I just like stared, (laughs) like, you know, just kind of stared off, right? Thinking in my head, like, I really want to slam this fucking laptop off the ground (laughs) right now. Dude, you got to
1: set the cloud back up going. You don't want to do that again.
2: Mm -mm. No, because, yeah, I was like 75% of the way done. I'm like, all right, we're hitting the home stretch here with some of this.
0: Well, good work. You got it all done. Good, good two episodes. Very informative. very
1: just crazy yeah it's probably a lot simpler than it seems though just wrong place wrong time and Mm -hmm. yeah that's what happens sometimes
2: oh that's the thing i was gonna say earlier that i couldn't couldn't remember i don't understand with this whole the thing that leads me to believe that one of the boys was dead beforehand i feel like it would have been really easy to just scare them you know what I mean? To scare the shit out of them, to not ever talk to anybody about this. Mm-hmm. I don't see the need to kill them.
1: but Yeah, because it seems like it was a well-known secret around town. Yeah. So like they weren't the only ones who maybe stumbled on this. Everyone, a lot of people seem to know what was going on.
2: I almost wonder if one of those police officers that was supposed to be watching guard and then brought the boys back, killed one of them on accident. Not Maybe not an accident, but fucked up and did and killed one of That's them. That's what I was
0: trying to say earlier. Yeah. yeah. Or did it piss them off that the kids ran away and actually got away so that when the officer did bring them back, they're like, no, fuck it. We're going to finish them off. If they have the balls to run away, who's to say they don't have the balls to talk?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I just think there would have, there was probably a good path to just scare them to never talk. Until you kill one. Yeah. And if one's dead, then they they both got to go.
0: You have to. Right. Good point. All right. Good stuff. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch. Website is Necronomapod.com and Patreon.com. Search Patreon.com slash Necronomapod for all of the bonus content.
2: All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.